a reading from the second book of the Bible, Exodus chapter, end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3. We began this series looking through the book of Exodus as our lectionary readings have us thinking about it in terms of moving from no way where there's dead ends in life and you feel frustrated and futile and feeble to a way being provided by God that could not be proven or analyzed in any logical way but is nonetheless deeply, deeply true. So, uh, we read the story of the... uh, Hebrew people who are taken into Egypt, first as welcomed guests, but over time, the Egyptians turn them into slaves. And that's where we pick up the story today. Moses has been uh, among the Hebrew children who was set to be killed. He was saved by Shipra and Pua. He was then later saved by Pharaoh's daughter. Now Moses is grown. After a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned under their slavery and cried out. Out of slavery, their cry for help rose up to God. God heard their groanings, and God remembered God's covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God looked upon the Israelites, and God took notice of them. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jephro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame of fire out of a bush. Moses looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to see, God called to Moses out of the bush, Moses, Moses. He said, here I am. The voice from the bush said, come no closer. Remove the sandals of your feet, for the place on which you stand is holy ground. Further, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their suffering, and I've come down to deliver them from the Egyptians, to bring them out of that land to a good and broad land, a land filled with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And here my friend Kevin Cosby would say, and also the Bud Lights and the Miller Lights. The cry of the Israelites now has come to me. I've seen how the Egyptians oppress them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said, who who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for which it is That it is I who sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this very mountain. But Moses said, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What's his name? What shall I say to them? 
God said to Moses, I am who I am. Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am sent me to you. God said to Moses, Those, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, this God has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. May each boy and girl, each youth, each visitor, each adult, each longtime faithful soul, hear what is uniquely theirs to hear. For the people have come to hear you, God, not a choir, not a preacher, you, who speak the language of the heart. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. We pray in the name of word made flesh, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Walter Brueggemann is a friend of Highland Baptist Church. He's preached here many times. He's a prolific author. And in a number of his books, he talks about the importance of God's people, the people of faith, being what he calls bilingual. Bilingual. This isn't just a matter of knowing English and Spanish or German or Thai or whatever. He's talking about being bilingual bilingual in the sense of speaking the language that happens outside of the temple walls and also speaking the language that's spoken inside the temple walls. Two distinct languages, but intimately and profoundly connected with each other. The language outside the temple wall is the language of everyday commerce. It's the language of everyday logic. It's science. It's math. It's all the things that our world is about, and those are all important and good. But Brueggemann says there needs to be a people of faith who gather together in whatever forms it takes in order to learn a distinct language that cannot be learned simply by looking in a book or listening to some tapes, but it happens in the context of a community where the language of faith that inspires and deepens and awakens us to new realities both within ourselves and out in the world happens to us. This inside language isn't supposed to be secretive language. It's not Gnostic language. We're not trying to conceal something from the world. But we're, ta- we're talking about a language that allows us to see that there's more to life than just what's in it for me. That life is sacred. And we're being invited at our best to join in this work of love and to create with the creator. To bring love with the lover. There's a place and a story inside this God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. So the passage we just read was insider language. It's what we say inside the temple walls. But let's step for a moment outside the temple walls into chapter 2 and see what happened. What what leads to this momentous event in chapter 3? Chapter 2, Moses being raised in the palace of the Pharaoh is one day walking among his people, among the Hebrew people. And he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew man. 
Moses, who was raised in the palace, had never had this kind of experience. And he immediately and instinctively and impulsively, perhaps, steps in to stop the injustice. And in doing so, he kills the Egyptian man. Now, you might think, well, he's the Pharaoh's adopted grandson. This is no problem. But Moses knows his grandfather. He was raised in that house. He knows that Pharaoh only speaks outside language. The language of revenge. The language of power and privilege. And indeed, Pharaoh wants to kill Moses. Because Moses killed the Egyptian. So Moses flees to Midian. He goes to this town, and of course he goes to the center of town. He goes to the well. Why would you go to the well? Well, perhaps he was thirsty, but perhaps it's because all the women came to the well. So he's there minding his own business when, as if on cue, the seven daughters of the priest come to the well to get what they need to live and to feed their flocks. But there's a rogue bully group of Shepherds who drive the seven women away. You've been in that experience before. Maybe you've been at the store or somewhere where you've seen, you just happened upon an injustice that's taking place. Something wrong is happening. Somebody's being bullied. Someone's being treated less than. And you ask yourself, should I get involved? No, don't put your nose in other people's business, says my daughter likes to say, Nunya. That's Nunya business. Nunya. But for reasons not named, once again, as Moses did, Moses did when one of the fellow Hebrews was being beaten, Moses intervenes and drives off these bully shepherds. Which leads us to the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3, where we switch from outside language to inside language. And all the elements are there. Horeb, the mountain of God, the burning bush, the angel, take off your shoes. Everything is about this sacred presence, the fire. Always the fire of God. The summons, Moses, Moses. The classic response, here I am. And then three different times in this narrative, you heard the, the, God connect what was happening now with what had happened in the past to connect them to their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let me stop there and say I've, I've, I've been thinking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because as I say those words... For me, they're sort of like the Old Testament version of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, or the Creator, Christ, and, and Spirit. Uh, but I don't think that's what it meant. I think those who are on the inside, those who have read the book, those who know the story of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, know the truth. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are people just like us. They're everyday people. I don't mean to disrespect them. You read it. Someone wrote the biographies. They're in the Bible. They're in the book of Genesis. You tell me. These are ordinary people who mess up just like you do and just like I do. And yet, 
They were the ones who were faithful, who heard this call and responded. But they're ordinary people. He might as well have said, Larry, Moe, and Curly. Or Larry, Daryl, and Daryl, my other brother Daryl. But here's what they did get. They somehow got that God was one. One. Not like the Egyptians where there's all kinds of gods. But rather this God was one. And this God always worked for justice. Always working to bring healing and hope into the world. And so the bush says to Moses, I've observed the misery of my people. I've heard their cries about their taskmasters. I see how the Egyptians oppress. I know their suffering, and I've come down to deliver. And Moses falls to his knees and thinks, oh, good, here it is. We're going to get delivered. I'm sure he did not have a clue of what he would hear next. I'm coming down, and I'm sending you to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And Moses doesn't expect this, but what do you do with it? What do you do when you feel that call to step out of your comfort zone and step onto the vulnerable path, the path that you know will cost you something, but you still want to do it because you're drawn to it, because it's who you are. We were made by love for love. So Moses asked the voice, if I go to my people and say, uh, uh, you've sent me, what's your name? In a world of many gods, what's your name? Even to the Israel Israel people, uh, they've, they've been in Egypt so long. What is your name? Let's be clear here. And the voice from the bush says, I am who I am, or I will be who I will be, or even more abbreviated, I am. I'm life. This invisible sacred energy that's in every present moment, every story of injustice, every moment of vulnerability, every moment of empathy, small or large, whether it has God's name attached to it or not, God is present. God is the justice that is being done in this world, always calling life toward healing and unity and harmony and abundance and grace. Do you see this God? Do you hear this God? For God is still calling from the bush. Only the name isn't Moses. It's Holly and Roy and Scott. It's you, it's, it's me calling to us. We aren't Moses. We'll each have our different roles. Some will be visionaries, some will be advocates, some will be wise elders who help us to count the cost. Others will be people who get out there and survey the field and see where God's way could break forth. And others are graders of the road. And others will design the signs that help people direct traffic toward that way, God's new way. Out of no way. How do people get out of slavery? There's no way. They've got all the guns. They've got all the power. They've got all the might. They make all the rules. And we think there's no way. But Exodus tells us there's always a way. Out of no way. That's true in the big, 
in the macro, and it's big, it's true in the micro, in your life. What you struggle with. God can provide and show a way that comes out of seemingly no way. It's a matter of trust. It's a God who can't redo the past, but can heal the past. A God who's in this present moment with us, helping us see and understand. But it's also a God in the future who says, trust it. Don't borrow trouble. Be here now and trust the future to me. Because life's going to happen. Good things are going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. Today's pharaohs, just like the pharaoh of old, are blind, they're tone deaf, they're insensitive, they're harsh, they're narcissistic, they're violent. The old 19th century hymn says, truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. And I don't know about you, but I get angry. I feel abandoned and I feel hopeless and sometimes I want to cry out with the people of old, God, where are you? And the invitation comes back. As Mary said long ago, just let it be. Let it be. The Beatles didn't make that up, you know. Mary said it first. Let it be. Just let life happen. Trust that there's this, what I call the invisible hand of justice that invites fairness and kindness, abundance and harmony. An invisible hand of justice. I'm riffing off of Adam Smith's 1776 quote about the invisible hand of the market in his book, The Wealth of Nations, where he basically says, people who look out for their own self-interest, eventually things will work out for everyone. But Exodus and faith says, no, there's another force at work in the world, a force for good and harmony, the invisible hand of justice that the people inside the walls, you and me, give a name to. We call it God. God. We follow when we embody this one, however faint and feebly. We try, as we read together from Romans 12, to overcome evil with good in ourselves when those voices of shame and insecurity and hopelessness and loneliness rise up in us, we follow and embody this way that brings healing. And when we look out in our community, in our larger world, and we see the problems of racism and and privilege, of xenophobia, of natural disasters, when we see injustice to our people, we join the work of love. Jesus said, come and follow me. Take up your cross. It sounds so dark and ominous, but here's the truth. He he promises. He promises. Those who lose their life for my sake will, in fact, find their real lives. We're inside the walls here now, folks. We do these rituals. We sing these songs. But it won't be long before the doors open again and we walk out where we speak outside language. But may it always be formed by what we do here as the people of God. Let's pray together.
God of ancient days and old, old stories. May we continue to hear that which you would reveal to your people this day so that we can see what is ours to see and do what is ours to do. In the name of Jesus, who lived his life fully for you and you gave it back to him. Amen.